Hello and welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles, the quarantine sessions. We are uh, in our own homes with the folks from the Stamina Racing Collective today. We're very excited to have Aaron, Madeline, Christina, and Ashley on the line with us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's, Thank you. It's great to have you here. I'm, I'm very excited to learn about the new team and uh, your vision. Um, but I think before we get too far down that conversation, we should have each of you get a chance to introduce yourselves. So Ashley, why don't you uh, kick things off? Yeah, awesome. So hi, Jason and everyone listening. My name is Dr. Ashley Zapata. I am a clinical and sports psychologist, and I am moving to the Twin Cities next Saturday. <laughs> I will Exciting. officially be on the ground there next Saturday, um, and I'm very excited. I will be working um, uh, as a sports psychologist in the area and looking forward to that. Uh, through that, connected with Erin, um, and she introduced the idea for Stamina Racing Collective, and I jumped on it immediately because I just thought it was the coolest idea in the whole world. Um, I know we'll get into it later, but um, I'm super excited to be a part of this team. I've been riding a bike since I was a kid, but um, have never actually competed in a race. And so it's something I've wanted to do for a very long time. Um, I am originally from Panama City, Panama. My Spanish is not amazing, but it'll get me by. <laughs> um, but I grew up in Newport News, Virginia as, a, as an Army brat. And have just been all over the place, really. Um, riding my bike was always my my main mode of transportation because I didn't have a car until like my 20s. Um, so it was either ride a bike or walk. And um, so there's just there's a lot of really great um, memories I have riding a bike. But um, endurance cycling is something that I've been interested in for a while now, but just really didn't have a chance to explore. So. After talking to Erin, uh, she didn't have to twist my arm too much. I jumped immediately at the idea, um, and together we have co-founded uh, Stamina Racing Collective. And I haven't even physically met the roster, but I am so excited for everyone who's a part of this team already, as if I've known them for decades. Uh, so I am excited. I am ready. That's probably enough for now, so that's me. Well, I, I understand, too, uh, from reading your bio that you have dual citizenship. I sure do. I always say, should anything go left in the U.S., I know where I'm going. <laughs> I always tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, I've, I've actually been using that same joke because I just became a, a dual citizen with Luxembourg last fall. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what country is your other passport from? Panama. Nice. That's a that's a little warmer than Luxembourg, so that's a that's a win for you, I think. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, welcome to the to the team, Ashley. It's, uh, it's uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person and uh, having you be a part of the racing scene here in Minnesota. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, Christina, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am Dr. Christina Knudsen, and I'm a statistician and a professor of math and statistics. Uh, I grew up in Iowa, Decorah, Iowa, um, and my dad's a big runner, so he would take us and, like, he would push us on a bike, and then eventually we learned how to, like, bike on our own, and it was always just for leisure and mostly involving ice cream at, like, the two-thirds <laughs> point. So very good memories of biking and ice cream. And still every time I bike, I'm like, okay, so now what am I going to eat? It's a pretty important part of the whole process for me. Um, and also growing up in Iowa, the registered annual great bike ride across Iowa or something like that. Right. Ride. Ride. Um, yeah, that was always a thing and I never got to do it. And I, when I was a kid, I was like, Oh, I want to do that. But then once I was a teenager, then I learned like, Oh, that's where like people party and stuff. So my parents didn't let me and <laughs> I've been wanting to do it ever, you know, this whole time. So maybe now that I'm 33 years old, I'll, you know, have the chance to go ride my bike across Iowa. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've mostly just been, like, biking around for fun. I like biking far and not 
really trying to go fast. That's kind of my thing. So hopefully there's something like that. And um, I guess Erin, <laughs> she like obviously has always been like doing cool bike things. And then every now and then I'm like, so tell me about this biking, cyclocross, whatever thing. And then she'll like tell me. And so when she started this, then she was like, hey, do you want to join this? And I was like, hmm pretty scared but also kind of interested and then finally I asked her point blank like is it okay if I'm really slow and she said yes so that's when I was like okay it's okay if, if this isn't you know the thing I'm best at so now I'm happily part of it super excited to join well I think it seems as though maybe uh, we need to incorporate some ice cream hand-ups in cyclocross racing this fall Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understand, Christina, that you uh, you can speak uh, with some some amount of uh, facility in, in a few different languages. Yeah. Um, so, like, in high school, I spoke, like, was obsessed with learning Spanish. And then um, my husband's family is from Taiwan, so, and I've been there three times now. So I've learned a medium amount of Mandarin. So if we go to a restaurant, I can ask for a table for, you know, three or four, however many we are, and I can ask, I can order my own lattes and order my own snacks and that sort of thing. But if they, like, at one cafe, I ordered my latte. I played it super cool. I was like, yeah, I'm so good at this. <laughs> and then they asked me some question, and I was like, I have no idea what you're saying, actually. <laughs> <laughs> So that's kind of how that works for me. <laughs> that, that's a good way to build your vocabulary, though, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Food is the most important thing. Also, asking where is the subway. So if I ever got lost, I could get back home. Yeah, those are, those are good life skills when you're going to travel outside the, outside the country, for sure. Totally. Well, welcome to the team. Uh, Madeline, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, uh, my name is Madeline Garcia. I grew up in a small town called Wiley, Texas. It's outside of Dallas. And I moved to Minnesota uh, almost three years ago. Um, I spent a little bit of time in Oregon and Portland, Oregon, before coming out here. And um, when I moved here, I bought a bike uh, from Cherry Cycles wow. <laughs> uh, before I found a place to live. Uh, and I guess that when I moved here, I, I knew I wanted a bike. My first bike in adulthood I bought for $20 at a garage sale in Portland. And um, when I moved here, I thought, oh, I, I have to get another bike right away. And so I looked for a female-owned bike shop, and I found Sherry Cycles. And I just decided that that is where I had to buy my bike. And um, <laughs> so I got this cute little single speed from Cherry. And it is how I fell in love with the Twin Cities. I would ride my bike everywhere. I didn't, I didn't have a car when I moved here. And so it's how I explored and made friends and made connections. I uh, spent some time freelancing before going to work at a bike shop. I was there for a little over two years uh, doing sales and advanced fittings, and then recently moved to a job in development and communications at a nonprofit. So you've, you've had a little bit of experience uh, with, the, with the Twin Cities. Um, I understand that you have some ambitions to, to leave town on your bike, though. I do, I do. So when I worked at the bike shop, we would do this annual uh, FTW, which is for femme, trans, or women identifying people, this FTW bike camping trip. And so I was a part of organizing that for a couple of years and really loved it. But when I would go, I, I felt like I was working the entire time. I mean, I certainly enjoyed myself, right? And I I, I had fun, but I was that person who was, like, counting heads at intersections and making sure everyone was hydrated and uh, having a good experience. And so uh, this year I 
want to go to uh, do a solo trip at the Boundary Waters, uh, hoping to do four or five days up there by myself uh, on the bike. And I've been doing a few solo bike camping trips just to get ready, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I have spent a lot of time thinking that in order to do something like that, I needed to go with a friend or a partner, and actually I don't. I just need me. And so that has been an exciting discovery and an exciting thing to prep for. That's that's really an exciting and ambitious trip because it's probably, what, 300 miles or more up there? Yeah, so I think what I would do is I would I would drive up there and then I would do the straddle and paddle route uh, from from bike bikepacking.com. It's been so reviewed uh, and I, I've heard it's a pretty pretty approachable trip for a lot of people, and so I'm hoping that'll be my my big trip this year. And I will certainly try to dive into bigger bigger scarier ones uh, in the years that follow. Are you bringing an extra pannier with uh, de- with bug spray in? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that's what I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're going to want to lock the bike down because the bugs will carry your bike away. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm trying to go in early September so that it's a little bit later in bug season, but maybe yeah. I can still jump in a lake. <laughs> I think that's One's a good plan. Hold, right? Yeah, you definitely don't want to go this time of year because they, it's literally a cloud of bugs up there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's great to have you here with us today, uh, Madeline. Uh, Aaron, you are uh, the last of the four of us on the phone today. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, who you are? Sure. So I am Dr. Erin Ayala, and I am also a sports psychologist and um, working here in the Twin Cities. And fun story, during uh, the interview, I was one of the folks interviewing Ashley for the new position, and in the interview, she, like, casually dropped the fact that she wanted to get into endurance cycling, and I was trying so hard to be, like, neutral and supportive interviewer and it was like squealing behind the scenes being like oh my goodness like I felt like yes she's hired like that um so I was super excited to um to have that connection with her and there are some other fun random connections that we've had since talking to each other which is kind of fun and cool and um so I've lived here in the Twin Cities for four years grew up in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, which is near Green Bay. Um, and then I went to um, the Twin Cities to St. Kate's and All Women's College for undergrad and then went to grad school in upstate New York and lived there for seven years and then came back to the Twin Cities because I really missed the Midwest. Um, and yeah, I think I started, I was a triathlete and I did a lot of, like I, I did sports for social stuff in high school. Um, I wasn't super competitive or like I was pretty mediocre at them Um, and then I stopped playing sports in college and then in grad school I was like okay I need to step up my game and start taking better care of myself. I was was a smoker. Um, I wasn't super healthy at the time and so I started running and then that led to triathlons and then I realized that biking was my best Um, I was in like the top 20% or something of cyclists in my field, but like the bottom 20% for swimmers. (laughs) The writing is on the wall here. Um, So then I started to get into cycling. And when I moved to the Twin Cities, I just Googled like Twin Cities bicycling, like looking for clubs and came across Randall Midtown Cycling. And Randall um, gets full credit for getting me into racing because he opened um, up the club with, I mean, really open arms and was super inclusive and brought me in right away and and really encouraged me to start racing, um, which was really cool to see. So I've been racing since 2017, um, and I do a little bit of all disciplines. Um, I haven't raced mountain bike, but I'm volunteering with Little Bellas this summer, which has been super fun. So that's me. And uh, and you you spent some time studying in Ecuador, is that right? Yeah, when I was an undergrad, I was a Spanish minor, and so I studied abroad in Quito, which is the capital of Ecuador, and then spent some time in the 
Imbabura province. Um, the purpose of the trip was to really study like economic disparities um, and inequalities in Ecuador. And um, it was really cool. I mean, it was Imbabura is a province in uh, the northern part of Ecuador and the Andes Mountains. And then we also spent some time on the western coast as well. So that was a really cool journey and experience. Um, and I got the travel bug when I when I did that. So that's that sounds like an amazing an amazing trip. I'd love to love to visit Ecuador someday. Mm-hmm. Neat. Well, all of you uh, are originally not from here. And I'm really curious to know, you know, there's sort of this, you know, Minnesota is, you know, very, you know, people stay here forever. And uh, so I'm always curious to know how your experiences living elsewhere have shaped how you perceive the Twin Cities uh, and specifically the bike community here in town. I don't mind going first since uh, I don't have as much experience (laughs) (laughs) as I've other folks on the call. Um, I will say, once I decided that um, I was definitely going to be taking the position and definitely moving to Minneapolis, with three small kids, by the way, I have a seven, five, and almost four-year-old, I I did what anyone would do. I went to YouTube and I researched Minneapolis, (laughs) obviously, um, to see all of the the do's, the don'ts, the pros, the cons, all of that. And um, I was not deterred from the things that were on there. I was like, I can handle potholes. I can handle construction. I can handle bugs. It's fine. I can handle traffic. I've lived in so many different places. Ultimately, I think for me, um, I'm really attracted to all of the outdoor activities that are possible. I am not a huge fan of the winter. But that's fine. I'll be okay. I do, however, want to try ice fishing because it looks fascinating. I just the concept of being like warm but on ice and fishing is just I don't understand it, and so I need to do it. I need to do it one time to figure it out. Um, so I'm just looking at this as an adventure. I'm excited. I think there are, are a lot of really cool activities and, and opportunities available for me and for my kids. And I've already met a great group of people without even physically being there yet. So I I can only imagine how this will go up from from here. So that's my two cents on on moving to Minneapolis. I've been all over the place. I've been to Jordan. I've been to Panama. I've been to Italy. I've been to D.C. I've been to San Diego. I've seen so many different things that I'm excited to see part of the Midwest. Neat. And Erin, you've you've come and gone a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I and it's funny because I think about my lifestyle as an undergrad. <laughs> it's very different than my <laughs> lifestyle now. And so I feel like I've learned to really appreciate the Twin Cities in a different way. Like when I was an undergrad, I liked it because it was I was like you know getting getting out of Wisconsin and going to a big city and I got to kind of like, I don't know, like go out and be independent and try different things. And at the same time, I was very much tied to like the St. Kate's campus. And then I took some classes at St. Thomas. And so I really kind of stuck in that area. Um, And then I, I appreciated like going on walks and stuff, but I didn't exercise a lot. And so when I, you know, moved to New York, started being more active and exercising more. Um, my spouse and I were looking for, like, we were both in transition for careers at the same time. And so we're like, okay, well, this is the time to move if we're going to move. And we were looking for a place with good, like, cycling and outdoor recreation and um, cycling infrastructure. And I was like, I'm pretty sure the Twin Cities has that. Um, and so we just started looking more and more, and it seemed like it was a really good fit. And we had visited it a few times, and he really liked it. So we were able to make it work, and we both love it. That's that's really fun, and you obviously got a little bit of a head start knowing the knowing the Twin Cities to to begin with. It obviously, made it easier to transition uh, when you came mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody talks about their first bike, and it's sort of that rite of passage for cyclists. And I'm curious to know uh, what your uh, first bikes were. Christina, what was your first bike? Like as a kid? Yeah. 
Um, definitely the one with training wheels. And then I had my middle school bike all through high school and college and through most of grad school, and I only replaced it, like, four or five years ago. So I was just, like, riding my middle school bike all the time. Wow. <laughs> That's fun. Madeline, do you remember your first bike? I had, like, a little red trike first. And then I had some other purple bike. I think I got it when I was, like, going into middle school. And um, I was one of those kids, I, I'm pretty sure I grew, like, overnight. Like, I woke up and I was five foot eight, uh, and, like, the tallest kid in my class. And, uh, I mean, I, I've been this tall since I was, like, 12. So uh, I, I think I got that purple bike, like, you know, naturally, like, a few weeks before I just, like, shot up um, and got tall. Um, but it was great for my younger sister because then she had, like, her little bike and then she had my bike, uh, and then she got really tall, al almost as tall as me, uh, not quite. Um, and then she had mine after. It's uh, that that first bike to me. It's such a vivid memory. You know, I had the uh, mine was purple, and I'm a huge Vikings fan, so I had the yellow banana seat and the purple bike, and it was so awesome. And we would go off sweet jumps all the time, and I still <laughs> miss that bike. <laughs> and you know, it, it it sort of brings me back to a comment you made earlier, Ashley, about the bike being, a, you know, that first bike being a sense of freedom for you and a play, way to explore your world. What what has the bike meant to you folks over the years? I mean, it's, uh, everybody's got a different relationship to the bike, but I'm curious to know kind of how you think about the bikes and what it's meant to you over the years. Erin, maybe you want to start? Yeah, I can start. I think it's funny because it's like my relationship with my bike has changed a lot over the years and I think it used to be like a social thing where it was just a means for me to bike across town to get from one place to another to socialize mm -hmm. and then in, in college I would literally like hop on my bike and bike from St. Keith's to St. Thomas with a cigarette in my hand like smoking a cigarette while biking from one campus to another. In That's badass. It was like <laughs> no smoking it was bad. One version of that. <laughs> it was like, and now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, how did, how and why did I do that? Just because I had such different values and priorities back then, and and then I think in grad school it was more like a means to just get in shape and help with body confidence and body image, and now it's like I think of similar to kind of what Ashley has said is like freedom. Like I think some of my most emotional moments have been on the bike where I'm able to really just unpack a lot of what's going on for me mentally and kind of process. And, um, and some of my most emotional experiences were riding like the endurance event DK 200 in the middle of the Flint Hills of Kansas. Like I get about it. And I'm usually not a super emotional person, like a crier, but I was speechless and bawling at that finish line because it just opened up so much inside of me. Mm -hmm. um, the bike is like a way to tap into something that not a lot of other things can do for me. Yeah, Christina, I see you nodding your head. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have kind of that same experience where it feels like really empowering, like... I really, really hate driving. It just feels like a big waste of time. But then, like, so, for example, if someone was, like, want to go to Minnetonka in a car, I'd be, like, absolutely not. But then I'm, like, or we could bike there, and then we don't have to, like, waste time in a car. I'm, like, too efficient. I just, like, want to, you know, do things. And, yeah. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. Um, do you all have a, a preferred uh, style of riding or type of riding? A couple of you talked about long endurance rides. Are there other aspects of, of rides that you that you enjoy? I feel like... Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I am excited about gravel riding, and I'm stoked to do more. Um, I 
you know, after I moved here, you know, I, I eventually bought a bike with gears and, um, you know, I loved, I bought a, I bought a Surly, so it has wider tires on it. And I just loved the freedom that it brought me because I like, I'll take these gnarly shortcuts whenever I get the chance. Um, and so riding on gravel just feels like one long gnarly shortcut where I'm the only one out there. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to do more of that riding. Neat. What about you, Ashley? You were going to mention a, something too. There's something about the open road to me that is so enticing. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love nature, and I love being out in nature, and I can see myself casually, you know, ripping up some mountain bike trails and stuff, maybe falling a few times, but that's fine. It's okay. It's all <laughs> part of it. Um, but as far as endurance goes, I just, there's just something mentally that happens for me when I look at the road, and I'm like, there's a lot of road here, but I'm going to keep going. And I think that also plays into who I am as a person and the things I've had to overcome over the years. Like there's always been an obstacle. There's always been one more thing. And it's like, I'm just going to keep going. I don't know how, I don't know where this leads, but I'm just going to keep going. And so there's just this drive to keep pushing, keep striving, keep forward momentum. And to me, that's like, that's the embodiment of endurance cycling and being on the road. And I love it. I didn't know I would love it this much, but I do. <laughs> I do. And um, a few years ago, I watched, I don't even know the name of it now, but I watched a documentary about the race across America, the Ram, and I was watching it with someone, and I was like, that's so cool. I want to do that, because I've, I was living in San Diego at the time, and I've been to Annapolis, Maryland, many, many times, so I was like, by proxy, I've been you know, from Oceanside to Annapolis, I could do this by bike. I could do it. And uh, the person next to me was like, you can't do it. <laughs> you just can't do it. And, and when someone tells me I can't do something, just out of principle, I'm like, well, now I have to try to do it. <laughs> Unless it's, like, physically harming, going to harm me, like, I'm, I have to try this thing. And um, watching that documentary, there was no one that looked like me. So... I think I made up in my my mind at that point, like, oh, I want to do this. I, I don't know when, and I, I need to prep and train, and maybe everyone on the team is going to be in my support van, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, so is it the fact that you are going to duct tape your helmet to the back of your jersey? Is that the exciting part of doing that race? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, among okay. others. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that's uh yeah, I I can only imagine the the pain and suffering that you are regularly putting yourself through if you're interested in doing that because that just <laughs> seems like torture to me. <laughs> you know, some people say torture, I say expression of will. Yeah. Mhm. Mm I like it. I like it. But you and know, you I I have I, to be tortured. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think there are other ways to express that besides just sheer physical agony. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear, uh, there's sort of a common thread that I'm hearing from, from all of you that there's a very deep connection in different ways, but there's a very deep connection between you and, and your bikes. And I, yeah, I think for me it's been like, it's something that I definitely didn't expect going into biking or endurance sports. I think it was more like, for me, I've always been so achievement oriented where I, I like see something and I'm like, like marathons, um, you know, oh, I can totally do that. Watch me. Similar mm -hmm. to saying like, oh, you don't think I can do that? And I was dating someone one time. Actually, this was shortly after I moved to New York and I talked about something related to like exercise or fitness and and they made a comment, like, similar to Ashley's experience, like, you can't do that. You never work out. And I was like, ooh, game on. Um, so, like, watch me work out. And so I think I started working out as coming from a place of, like, trying to prove myself. And then over the years, now it's totally changed. And 
rather than being so achievement oriented where I'm like, oh yeah, I can just totally check that box. For me, it's now more about community development and relationships and just becoming a better and stronger person and human being. Yeah. Madeline, what uh, what does your connection to the bike feel like for you? Um, I it's it's I guess it's peripheral to that question. Hearing Erin and Ashley talk about that, I was thinking about um, right after I I moved to Minneapolis, I found this transportation survey, and uh, in it, um, you know you know they ask people like what's their primary mode of transportation. And uh, women who started biking as their primary method quit in six months or less. And typically when I talk about this, uh, if there's a man present, he interrupts me to say it's because they don't have a shower at work, right? Uh, or we'll say, like, it's because they, they're wearing a dress, right? Um, when actually the reason, uh, the reason that they quit, they cited safety as the biggest reason that they quit biking. Yep. And for me, I was, so, I was so motivated to have a different experience. And, um, you know, that certainly doesn't mean that every moment on my bike has felt safe. Um, but for me, it was really motivating to... Um, to push myself to be out there, to be present for myself and for other people, and to think really critically and, like, bring pieces into my life that made me feel safer on my bike. Um, so things like a helmet or brighter lights um, were things that I just felt better, and that meant that I biked more. That meant I had a deeper connection to, you know, a bike that I love and to a city that I got to know and love. Um, and so that is has been part of my journey. Um, and when I worked at a bike shop, I would, you know, talk to a lot of a lot of folks, a lot of customers who would say, like, oh, you're the only woman I've worked with in a bike shop. Uh, and just, like, feeling that, um, like, being present for somebody in the moment where they were starting their bike journey just felt really special to me. So those are sort of the things that I'm reflecting on hearing, hearing the other folks' stories. Yeah. Christina, what's your, what's your emotional connection? What do you, how, do you, how did the bike make you feel? It can make me feel, like, pretty badass. Like, if I bike far, then I feel really good about it. And I guess the furthest I've ever biked is just from northeast Minneapolis to Stillwater and back, but that, like, definitely kicked my butt. And, I don't know, the, like, bigger the butt kicking, the more I feel, like, really accomplished. So I'm, like, really excited to see, okay, if I, like, try at this and actually train, how far can I actually go? Yeah, it's it's interesting. There's uh, all of the endurance athletes that I that I know and have talked to uh, over the years share that common thread. You know, it's like it's such a major accomplishment and that you know ability to say I just rode 100 miles or 200 or I just rode to Stillwater and had lunch and came back. You know, I mean, it's a major uh, it's a major Yahoo moment kind of right. Totally. And uh, so I'm, I'm curious to know, Aaron and Ashley, as you started thinking about bringing the team together, um, were some of these ideas in your mind as far as goals for the club? I and mean, what was the in initial inspiration for the, for the team? Mm -hmm. I think for me, a lot of it was, you know, honestly following the wake of the George Floyd murder and kind of calling out and calling in the cycling industry, knowing that this is such a white and such a male sport. Um, and, like, as much as I talk about it, I wanted to actually do something about it. And I've done a lot on, like, gender diversity in cycling and have fallen horribly short on racial diversity in cycling. And, um, and so I think this was kind of a big moment for me and a very humbling moment where I was like, I can try to create a community, but if I'm being a, like, white feminist, I'm not actually helping anyone. Um, and so this was a big wake-up call for me, and I wanted to try to kind of build something from the ground up. You know, we talk a lot about diversifying the sport, but we're not going to really be able to do that unless we strengthen in the pipeline, you know? And so... Mm -hmm like 
I think other people knew I was going to do it before I did. Hmm. Um, other people would like make little comments to me being like, when are you going to start your own thing? Um, and I just didn't feel ready, I guess. Um, and then when this kind of, this, the seed was planted in my head, um, and I was like, okay, maybe I should actually do this. And then I ran it by both, like, Christina and Ashley being like, okay, so I think I might do this thing. Like, interested? <laughs> I remember that text like it was yesterday. And it was, it's so funny, too, because it was like after that text, it just skyrocketed after that. And I was like, Oh, so we we're a team. We're like a full team. We're like a full team of people. Okay, here we go. <laughs> but it was great. No, no turning back now. It was just so phenomenal and, and on time. So on time for me, I think, to uh, echo everything Aaron said and also share that um, I really want. Stamina Racing Collective to be a model for opening a door and keeping it open. Like, not just opening it and allowing a few people to skirt by, but really, like, blasting down the wall. So now there's no door. It's just wide open. Um, and really looking at that from all angles. Like, we've gotten bikes for just about everyone on the team. Um I drove, I'm in upstate New York at the moment, I drove about an hour and a half to go pick up a bomb-ass bike <laughs> that I love. I named my bike Sunny because I love nice. the sun, and I've been riding that bike everywhere at this point, but that was coordinated through Aaron and connections and things like that, which has been phenomenal to see for other members of the team as well. Um, so much equipment, so much gear, so much love and support, and I really want to see, like I said, Stamina Racing Collective be the model for this is this is how you you welcome people from different walks of life into a sport that has historically felt very exclusive, and and this is how you do it right. This is how you um, really wrap your arms around a person and say, hey, we welcome you and we're going to support you. We're going to get you going. If you have questions, I have so many questions. I, I don't know what, Aaron texted me today about the crank and I was like, I had to Google like, wait, what? What do you want me to look for? You know? <laughs> and I, and I, I told her that and she didn't, she didn't respond and say, oh, how dare you not know what this thing is called? You know, she was like, oh yeah. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> I should have explained that. And then I like sent a picture being like, yeah. this is what I'm looking for. Like, can you take a picture like this on your bike? Exactly. And and it's things like that that really um, just really showcase how, um, how supportive and how inclusive you can be in this space if you just open yourself up to doing so. And, and um, yeah, it's just been great. <laughs> I'm so excited for where Stamina Racing Collective is going to go. I mean... Yeah. How, how did you bring all of the people together? I mean, what was the process of that rocket launch? I mean, how did that all get started? No, you put the honey out and they come. You know, it was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it on Instagram and I just, I messaged Aaron and I was like, hey, I want to be on this team. And, uh, you know, just sort of announced that intention. And she was like, hell yeah, sounds great. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, I Christine, think that it sounds thing, like you maybe, maybe knew Aaron and Ashley a little bit earlier. Is that right? Just Aaron, yeah. Yeah, Aaron kind of floated the idea out there. And I was immediately like, that sounds amazing. You have to do it. I don't know if I want to be part of it because it's terrifying, but you've got to do it. So. <laughs> and, and I take it all of you, this is, uh, Aaron, uh, except that this is all your first uh, bike racing team? My first team, yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know what some of your initial team conversations have been and, and how those different backgrounds that you all have um, have informed those conversations. I think there are so many amazing skill sets between everyone on this team, which I think is also just a huge value to us. You know, I remember our first Zoom call, 
uh, and <laughs> it was one part obviously getting to know each other because this, at this point was our first interactive way to sure. meet everyone. You know, but we we covered a lot in that in that one meeting. We covered what's our mission, what's our what are what are our goals, what do we want to stand for, what does that mean, what does that look like. I mean, I think we accomplished more in that hour and some change than most Fortune 500 companies do in a whole week long retreat. You know, <laughs> like we we were very purposeful. We were very purposeful, very intentional. Um, we talked about sponsorships very quickly. We talked about, actually before that, it was like, what does everyone need? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that sets the t- that really does set the tone for what the purpose of this collective even was, you know, making sure that we all had what we needed so that we could get going on the mission and, you know, see where that took us. Mm-hmm. It, I, I have the sense just from what you were saying, Ashley, that the bike to be, use a bad pun is kind of the vehicle for your own pursuits rather than being the core focus of of the team. Is that do I interpret that correctly? Yeah. I think so. I think one of the main things we were saying in the team meeting was like you don't it's not about like talent or speed or strength or ability. Like that's not what this is we're not having tryouts. Like this isn't about having a certain amount of experience or knowledge. Like this is about entry into a sport that has historically like not been super inclusive and as Ashley said we want to blow down the doors and change that Um, like we want to roll up and be like we're here like make (laughs) Um, and so and I know like you know and part of it is just the the research nerd in me I know the factors that reduce participation or that decrease participation and and when you bring that to BIPOC and Latinx communities, it's like accessibility is huge, but it's also emotional and social support. And then if we don't also address like the systemic issues, like race equity and prize pools and race structure, we're also not really helping anyone. So I think one of the goals of stamina, it's not really about like the, the bike is a vehicle for a greater culture shift, paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. So as uh, Madeline, as you as you start to think about racing as a, a component of your membership of the team, what are what are some of your your thoughts around that? I mean, how did how do you perceive your ambition, and what have you been thinking around racing as a specific activity within the team? I'm excited about it. I mean, there's there's certainly this part of me that is competitive and wants to do well. And I'm so much more stoked to build community um, and so much more excited to show up at these races and just, like, be present, right? Like, when I was starting to do, like, and go to bike events in the Twin Cities, I saw so few other women of color. Like, it was jarring to me. And, like, the previously the thought of joining a team was so it just didn't ever feel right. Like teams that I looked at were all very white. Um, You know, there were either no people of color or maybe, maybe there was one. And so honestly, like I'm totally excited to race and I'm so much more excited about the community that is being built. And uh, hopefully the, um, the way that cycling will look in the future. And, and uh, it's, it, I'm curious to think about your perspective from the time that you spent working in the bike shop, too. You know, you obviously saw a, a wide variety of people uh, come through the shop doors and, you know, how that might have affected the way you think about the team and, you know, your participation and so on. Yeah, I I feel like I was really lucky. I, I worked at a very welcoming bike shop, uh, one that I think is is really good to people kind of regardless of where they're at in their bike journey. And so I uh, I would joke that I worked with a lot of um, customers who would cry, like that was part of their bike journey. I've cried on my bike journey, let's be real. Um, <laughs> but like people who would be shopping and would be so overwhelmed by like what type of bike, what kind of handlebars, what does sizing mean, I need all this gear too, and would just be so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I would say, like, hey, like, you don't need to apologize. We don't judge our feelings here. Uh, sometimes the best thing we can do is just get on a bike. Uh, and so I would get to, you know, like, grab two bikes and just go on a bike ride with them. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to cry while you're riding a bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, like, sometimes, like, that was the fix that did it, right? And I, I think that no matter where we are, uh, we deserve to be met with patience and compassion for the, the learning that is yet to be done on our bike journey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hope that everybody, you know, no matter what shop they go into, um, that they have someone that is, is generous with them when they say, wait, what is a crank? Yeah. Um, or, you know, if they say, like, oh, I don't know how to shift gears, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that is super common. Um, and I love saying, like, oh, yeah, you know what, that's, that's fine. Let's put the bike in a stand and have you practice in here and just see what it feels like. Um, and then apply that out on the bike. Like, you know, we don't shame people for their questions. We don't need to shame people for their experience, right? Like, instead we can say, oh, this this can be different and this can be welcoming. Like, I want you here. So that's sort of where I – where I am at with those things. Yeah. You know, I I feel uh, a lot of sort of – I feel like that's a really important piece – in the in cycling generally, not racing exclusively, but you know cycling in general. Because as I was he- hearing you describe the people's ex- you know uh, coming into a bike shop and being overwhelmed by all of the stuff, you know, just that you look around because every bike shop is packed to the rafters with a million things. And you know, my reaction whenever I go into a bike shop is oh, look at all the toys. I want one of those, and I want one of those, and I need some of that. And, and to, to hear that, you know, the way that you meet people who don't have that, who, who have some trepidation about that experience and, and maybe help them find the joy that we all, I think, find in, in cycling is, is really important. It can be so fun. And, I mean, still, I love taking my friends bike shopping uh, it's a great excuse for me it's to go bear. in and see all the toys. Yep. <laughs> um, and, you know, if it, if it makes somebody else feel safer and more confident to start this journey, then heck yes, I will absolutely do that. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and I think, you know, that, that really gets to the heart of, and it's some of those foundational pieces of being inclusive to the sport because, you know, we all in the racing community make the assumption that if you're showing up on the starting line, you've already had some level of experience or knowledge or awareness, and that's, that's far from the case for most cyclists. I mean, we are a small group within a much larger group of people who ride bikes, right? So, so the, the name Stamina obviously was chosen thoughtfully. What, uh, what was the rationale behind the, the name of the team? Uh, for, it kind of it came up to me on a ride where I was reflecting um, on a lot of the, just the recent events, and I, like a lot of other people, have been reading a bunch. Um, and I think it was Layla Saad's Me and White Supremacy. Um, it may have been another author too as well like the theme that kept coming up was racial stamina and the importance to continually engage in difficult conversations um, especially when like white fragility rears its ugly head and you want to like duck inside and retreat and being like okay I'm just not going to say anything anymore so I don't offend anyone mm-hmm. like we we can't do that if we want to make progress, we have to speak up when it's uncomfortable. And that's where the stamina comes into play is like, it's the sustained mental and physical effort where we have to keep showing up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's exactly like cycling. <laughs> um, so I ran it by like Ashley and a couple of others. And it was very much like the team. We want everyone to make decisions. And so we voted on it. Like we just couldn't think of anything different that seemed to be a better fit. Um, and so, like, stamina was kind of this, like, it wasn't a, even a choice. It just kind of came to us. Mm-hmm. 
and and the word collective is not one that's often used for uh, bike racing teams typically. Uh, Christina, when you think about that, what what does that word evoke for you? Um, it kind of sounds like a bunch of hippies. I don't I don't really know how to like, <laughs> explain the collective part, but like I really like the stamina part because uh, it is like exhausting and so dealing with racism takes more of a toll on some people than on other people because some of us just deal with more racism than others of us. So like kind of like biking, how if you're biking in the front of the group, then you have, you know, more of the, you're just getting hit by more air and not like I've actually ridden in a Peloton, but I understand the general idea is so that you like tuck behind and then you can kind of just draft and, you know, take a little rest, a little breather and dealing with racism with other people is a lot easier than, you know, just dealing with it all by yourself. So I think that kind of, and it's not just racism, you know, like, any other aspect characteristic that could be minoritized mm -hmm. you know dealing with any sort of discrimination is easier in, with allies and people like you yeah i mean I, I, it feels like there's just a common thread of community engagement among all of you on the team are you going to make a specific commitment um as part of team membership to that is there going to be some kind of requirement for volunteerism or you know things of that nature I think that's something we've we're definitely um, committed to. I think we're still hashing out exactly what it'll look like and when and where and how. But um, community engagement, volunteering, being in the community—you know—I feel like as a collective, we also owe it to ourselves and what we're trying to do to be out as much as possible. Um, that's races, you know. That's um, outdoor events, that's virtual ways to connect. I mean, anything that we can do that continues to amplify our message, I think is really, really important. Um, and to touch on the collective piece some more, Christina, you're so funny. Maybe we are from, you know, a, a bunch of hippies in a certain type of way. But I, but I love that. I love that visual that I got because I was like, we're free. You know, we're, we're like collectively expressing to the world that like, we don't fit in anyone's box. Like we can't, we won't, and we cannot be defined and confined, you know, because there's so much within all of us that we want to share that there is no one section that can appropriately hold us. And I love that. So we just flow, you know, I love it. <laughs> I feel like we need a tie dye kit at some point. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, you know, with, with that in mind and the sort of flowing and bringing in new ideas and, and, and thinking about things in different ways, how, how central is racing going to be to your team's existence or is it going to be one of several equal activities that you emphasize? I think it'll be, Christina's <laughs> like, I don't know <laughs> what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> Um, I think, you know, one thing that Corpswell Racing was really wonderful and um, provided me with some really good guidance and suggestions. And one thing that we really like that they do is they have a minimum number of events that their racers attend rather than a minimum number of races. Mm -hmm. And some of the folks on our team, um, like, their goal is to finish a race. And so we will totally rally to support them, right? Like Ashley included. And I was like, you are so underestimating your abilities. Um, totally. and, so, <laughs> and so I think like, yeah, racing is going to be a part of it, but I also don't want to force it into like this box. Like Christina and I were talking last week or the week before about like, maybe we shouldn't just follow the traditional mold of what most cycling teams do because most cycling teams are white and male and that's not us. Mm -hmm. And so maybe our team foundation just looks totally different. And so I, I see racing as a part of it, but I think it's going to be so much more. Absolutely. Absolutely. going to be so much more. 
And you know, as you think about that long term, what does that what does that look like? I mean, what's the three year, five year roadmap for uh, for the squad? Can I take this? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So since I'm a mathematician and statistician, I'm thinking exponential growth. So if Aaron <laughs> I love and it. I you know, love there it. are people who have some um, like uh, bike understanding, they can teach us all the things, like how to bike fast, how to get strong nutrition, whatever, and then we'll learn all that, and then we'll get new people, and then we'll teach them that, and then it'll just grow like a virus, but a good virus. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, yes. <laughs> so I think, you know, maybe we don't, we, we, we don't know exactly what it'll look like three to five years, but we know, like Christina said, there will be exponential growth, and it will be something that we, I think, we'll all be incredibly proud of. Mm-hmm. And you've already mm-hmm. seen a, a tremendous amount of interest in the in the team, haven't you? Yeah, within like 24 hours, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, so, we had to like make a motion to like for now close our roster just because we want to make sure that we're able to support everyone on the team. Yeah. Um, and so that was a difficult decision, but also one where, like, at what point do we change from a team to a club? And so we kind of had that discussion and agreed, like, okay, let's just stick with who we've got for now and mm-hmm. kind of stabilize and then see how things go moving forward. Yeah. It certainly has to be sustainable, right? I mean, you're good. there's so much that could happen if you've got a bunch of people who all have um, needs to sort of get themselves underway. You, but only a handful of people who are ready to be the the, the guides, I guess. Uh, it's a good way to, mm-hmm. to say it. You know, that's that's challenging early on, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. exciting, though. I also have this like, I also have this fun um, <laughs> daydream or like desire. I don't know what it is. Um, and it's like a, I guess it could be called a daydream. So Legions of LA is this really phenomenal crit road racing team in California, um, known for their diversity, but also known for their skill and their strength. Um, And so our team, like six of the 11 of us at least are 5'8 or 5'9. And so I have this like image in my head of this unstoppable like diesel train of these really strong like women trans femme non-binary folks like come into town. Um, so like three to five years from now, holy cow, like if all of us are still actively training and racing, um, it's going to be super fun. <laughs> so it's like what I'm, but, but realistically, I think my three to five year goal is like for all of us or most of us to still be here racing and supporting each other. You know, to me, that uh, the the ideas that that you're bringing forward and the and the ambition and the enthusiasm you have for for growing and bringing people into the sport is so important. You know, we've seen nationwide and worldwide really the the numbers of cyclists going up dramatically, but the number of racers going down at an equally fast rate. Um, love to hear some numbers on that from you, Christina, but uh, we can, that can be another <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I think that it's uh, doing things the same way over and over and over again and not going to get the sport to where it can and should be. And so the excitement and enthusiasm that you're all bringing to this is really it's, it's encouraging to me that the sport may have a have a new life, you know, or that second wave of the virus might hit us sometime soon. Do you uh, do you have visions for putting on events or doing anything um, like that to expand opportunities for people to participate? I definitely do. I told uh, the team early on. I said, I want to sign up now to be in charge of community events and hosting things. I am like the hostess with the mostest. I love planning for things that involve social engagement. So uh, subscribe. Go to our website and subscribe is what I would say. Staminaracingcollective.com. All right. <laughs> that's good. It's important to have the plug. It sounds like you might be a little bit of a marketer, too. That's very good. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I want to talk a little bit too before we wrap up about some of the things that you feel like the organization needs to really go to the next level. I mean, what are the things that you collectively need and what are some of the things that individually you would like to be able to offer uh, members of the team to, to grow and, and get where you want to be? I think one thing that we're just starting discussions on is sponsors. Um, we want to be really intentional with the companies and organizations that, that we partner with and making sure that our values align with theirs. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think the other piece is we're working on becoming a 501c3, um, which would allow us to get more donations to really support the racing costs and travel costs of our members, so that'll be big too. What uh, what more can people do to, to support you? What what kinds of things can people do to become involved or help out with your efforts? Following us on social media, uh, we just launched the website and we will be launching the 501c3 in the near future, and so supporting us um, with those like potential drives or fundraising events so that we can get some money to support the racing costs of our ride next year. I think if there are some like great sponsors who can help us with like supplies to get good at biking during the winter, then that would be great too. Like I know that obviously winter in Minnesota, I don't know, I don't think I'm like tough enough to <laughs> like train outside in the winter here. So getting some kind of, I don't know, whatever bike stuff you use to get good at biking in the winter, that would be great. And then I don't know if it's just like universally women have a hard time getting enough protein, but I'm personally like, okay, I need to have enough protein. So if you make protein powder, maybe send a little our way. <laughs> as you reflect, you know, we talked a little bit about this three to five year roadmap, but you know, as you look back on this launch, what will success look like to you as you get through your first season next year? For me, success will look like comments and messages and people reaching out who do have um, indigenous background or people of color or black cyclists for the first time, people who are able to say, you know what, I've always been interested in cycling, but I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I was allowed to do it. I didn't think... I'd be welcomed in this space. And you know what? I bought a bike and I've been racing ever since this particular point. This is how many miles I've, I've gone. I want to see messages like that from people. That, for me personally, is a marker of success because that means that people have watched what we've been doing and have been given the green light to try it for themselves when they, like me, have probably gotten messages that said, you can't do this because you're not allowed in this space. So for me, a, a huge marker of success will be people giving us their testimony saying, you know what, I found your collective, I think what you're doing is awesome, I'm excited, I'm going to be doing something similar, um, here's a picture, here's me and my cat on my bike, here's me and my child, whatever, you know, here are my first clippy shoes, everything. <laughs> That's the marker of success. Christina, what about you? I think, one, at the team level, if people are still excited and having fun and feeling like they're making progress and growing and feeling empowered, then I think that will be one sign of success. And then more broadly, like across the United States or maybe globally, if we see even more teams that kind of pop up that have a similar mission where they're really trying to be inclusive, then that would be extremely exciting to know we're like not just the only one there's other mm -hmm. teams like us yeah Aaron, Aaron what uh, what's your vision for success yeah I think part of it is I, I mean I definitely echo what Ashley and Christina said I think um, also serving as a resource we have a lot of very highly educated folks on this team and just so much intellect and so much creativity and so much um, just like what's the word I'm looking for motivation and enthusiasm and for like race promoters 
to reach out to us and ask us questions being like, hey, I want to partner with you. What can we do to make my event or my space more inclusive? Or um, other, you know, like USA Cycling or other sanctioned or governing bodies so that we can also tap into like, yeah, the ground level riders and racers so that they can come in. But having other people reach out to us from the top as well so that we can create more of a systemic um, change and shift to make sure that it is more inclusive. Um, like little things instead of, you know, saying like, okay, ladies, before the start of a race. Like yeah. not everyone identifies as a lady, so let's say like, okay, riders or okay, racers. Mm -hmm. um, and just trying to work with them and seeing some of those improvements I think can also be re really rewarding because it's one thing if teams recruit a bunch of people and the teams themselves are inclusive, if they show up to races and they don't feel like they belong, like that doesn't help anything. Mm -hmm. And so I want to, I think success to me would also include some of those larger changes. But mm -hmm. well, you've got a lot of ambition for the team, but you've obviously had some great enthusiastic, enthusiastic response from the community. So it, it feels like you're onto something. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, we're on to something. <laughs> <laughs> Love your confidence. <laughs> well, Ashley and Aaron and Christina and Madeline, it's been fantastic having you on the on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Thank you for having us.